This is Jewish Board Talk with Sheree Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Last Friday, we had an opportunity to listen to Israel's response to South Africa's genocide case against the Jewish state at the International Court of Justice. The preceding weeks, there was a media frenzy, mainly congratulating South Africa and, in their words, their top legal team of a watertight case. A dissenting voice and one of reason was Professor Andre Thomashausen, UNISA Emeritus Professor of Comparative and International Law. Professor Thomashausen has 36 years' experience as a professor of international and comparative law, international business law counsel, and is an expert on foreign and private international law. I am absolutely delighted to have Professor uh, on the line now. Professor, welcome and thanks so much for joining me. Sharice, listeners, good morning, good day. Um, Professor, firstly, what did you make of South Africa's case? And what is your view on our lawyers? Well, I'm, I'm on record as one of the very few that um, has come out in criticizing this case. And I'm not enthusiastic about it. Uh, maybe the first the first fundamental issue is that um, a uh, an attorney an advocate uh, who has uh, integrity and, and and morals does not take a case to court uh, that doesn't have much of a chance of succeeding uh, so it is a bit of an opportunistic case it was brought to court where Anybody going over those papers uh, knew and would have known that there is no evidence of a genocidal intent by the state of Israel. There are just too many contradicting facts. There's too much evidence of so many things that Israel has done to mitigate the impact on the civilian population in Gaza and to avoid uh, unnecessary, as the military call it, collateral damages. The target of the military operation was always Hamas and their and their combatants, thousands of them. And they are a non-state actor. They may not be a government of a recognized state, but uh, as the International Criminal Court in, 1920, in 2021 has ruled, they are nevertheless a, a legal person under international law. They're a non-state actor. So um, it is not as if Hamas is identical with the Palestine people and any attack on Hamas is an attack on the Palestine people. So given these fundamentals, I, uh, I do think that South Africa should have been prudent and should have followed the, the provision of the Genocide Convention in Article 9. It demands that there must be a dispute before a country which is not engaged in a war with another country can actually take uh, such an accusation, such a serious accusation as genocide to the International Court of Justice. And that dispute uh, was never was never opened. It's a dispute is not something uh, that, that sits in the imagination of somebody, but it, it requires an interaction. And South Africa only on the 22nd of December sent a note to Israel indicating that they wanted to take this accusation to the International Court of Justice and Israel immediately answered and said, give us a few days because we need to discuss it at the cabinet level. And within very few days, on the 26th of December, Israel sent an email saying we would like to meet on the level of director generals of foreign affairs or international relations. And then on the 27th of December, they tried to 
hand over the formal written communication, but they were turned away at Dirko. Dirko refused to accept the communication because they said, we're on, on holiday, it's Christmas leave. But then despite being on holiday <laughs> and on Christmas leave, two days later on the 29th, they filed the application. So this is one of Israel's very uh, important objections that they said South Africa never tried to, to discuss their grievances with Israel, to, to submit to Israel what they believed was evidence of, uh, uh, of a genocide. Uh, Professor Thomas Hausen, uh, watching South Africa in court, um, they looked very confident. But the next day when Israel responded and, and responded specifically on the issues around the note of, of Abales, South Africa looked a li- little bit less confident. What did you th- make of Israel's case? Well, Israel was fortunate in having uh, the, the, the only living, true, uh, total expert on public international law and on international court of justice matters uh, in, uh, as their defense counsel, Malcolm Shaw, Professor Malcolm Shaw. He is, uh, he is really the authority. And of course, uh, so, so were the other members of the Israeli team. They, they performed impeccably with calm, with self-confidence, and with very well-prepared papers, where one must also take into consideration that, of course, they will have had a lot of arguments prepared uh, at short notice, because they only got the uh, application on the 29th of December, uh, but they had to respond and engage with what South Africa put before the court in, in its oral presentation, that means they only had the night from one day to another to adjust their presentation and find um, team that there with, uh, uh, with uh, some, uh, some concern because they suddenly saw that the holes in their application were, were very evident and were being presented before the court with, with a lot of uh, authority and, and um, and convincingly, uh, we, we, we have one picture circulating the internet that Ambassador uh, Maroncella was, was picking his nose uh, and other people were looking very unhappy. Uh, Professor Dugard looked like he was falling asleep, but then he's 87 and that can be forgiven. Um, Professor um, Thomas Hausen, let's talk a little bit about who supported as South Africa and who didn't support South Africa. And um, I think possibly South Africa was surprised that the BRICS country did not do so. Uh, the BRICS block, this sorry, not the BRICS country. Sorry, BRICS block. Th- this is a very crucial issue that South Africa with this application has really isolated itself internationally. It's uh, the, the, the nations that really keep South Africa's economy going. The Europe- European trading partners, uh, Japan, uh, United States, uh, are of course supporting Israel and, and Germany has formally uh, notified the court that they will join the defense action of Israel against against this accusation of genocide. The, the, there are some small countries in the world, like Bolivia, um, some slightly unsavory countries like uh, Yemen and, and Sudan and of course Iran that seems to that seems to enjoy this case, but they haven't joined. They haven't joined South Africa. They haven't made the small communication to the court. We will uh, 
support this litigation, we will become parties to this litigation, not even Iran. In the BRICS, of course, there was no consultation, which, which has annoyed a lot of the BRICS partners. Uh, India is very upset about it. Russia is, is a bit unequivocal, but uh, Foreign Minister Lavrov has now for the second time yesterday said that um, there were only two main victims of, of the Nazi terror. That was Russia and Israel. And uh, that uh, before that, he said, uh, Russia understands that Israel is fighting yet again against a, a resurgence of, of, of Nazi uh, mentality in Gaza, just like Russia maintains that they are fighting uh, a plan to denazify the Ukraine. So uh, Brazil, yes, Brazil seems to have come out uh, praising South Africa for this action, but they have none, done nothing else but that. And um, there could be repercussions from our major trading partners. Germany is, is the only country that is still maintaining a manufacturing, a large manufacturing industry in South Africa through the motor assembly, the motor car assembly um, industry. And, um, and they are not very enthusiastic about it anyway. And I think they're very upset at, at, at seeing Israel being essentially uh, insulted. It is, it is beyond the legalese of this case. It is a terrible insult against Israel, who was uh, the only victim in, in, in the history of, of humanity to have suffered a terrible genocide, a real genocide. So where, where a country went out and said, we will kill all Jews, all Jews have to be exterminated. Uh, that is totally different from what is happening in Gaza. Um, Professor, when you say Germany has said it will support the case, what exactly, practically, what does that mean? I, I don't have the details from the diplomatic interactions, but the decision that was announced was that Germany would formally communicate with the International Court of Justice and request to be allowed to be a joining party. So then the case would be South Africa against Israel and Germany. Uh, I believe this is in progress. Can you now explain to us a little bit about what the ICJ is and how um, reputable it is? Well, it, it, it follows on attempts already after World War I to create a body uh, of, of uh, most prominent and respected judges uh, that uh, that could try and and uh, adjudicate between countries when they are in dispute to avoid countries from using force from going to war against each other uh, of course the icj has no enforcement mechanism uh, and um, its pronouncements may or may not be respected by the countries involved it doesn't have it, it hasn't had a long history of success um, and, and some of its orders or judgments uh, are, are severely criticized because some scholars will maintain that as the judges are appointed by, by nations, by countries, by government, and they're normally appointed for nine years, but uh, when they finish their term, they still want to live comfortably back in the country mm -hmm. that appointed them. So they will, they will hesitate to rule against the countries that have appointed them. Uh, that has led uh, in, in the Daily Maverick, for instance, to some articles speculating how these judges in the current ICJ will vote. 
and you look at their nationality, you look at, at the countries that have appointed them, and that would currently indicate that out of the uh, 15 judges, eight judges will probably uh, not hesitate to support Israel. There are two additional judges, one nominated by Israel and one nominated by South Africa, but that will not change the um, the composition of the court, really, when it comes to, to preferences or, or inclinations. Um, but the judges will definitely, they, as judges, they will consider the merits of the case. They will try and apply the Genocide Convention in the light of previous of precedents, because the court has ruled on the Genocide Convention before. Uh, Dr. Thomas Eisen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back from the break, we're going to look at the countries that those judges are from and also just pick up on the point on how neutral they'll actually be. This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. And I'm talking to Andre Thomashausen, UNISA Emeritus Professor of Comparative and International Law, and we're talking about the ICJ ruling. Um, Professor, uh, the judges are the countries represented where people think will vote against Israel include Morocco, Somalia, Lebanon, China, Russia, and South Africa's ad hoc judge. Um, would you agree with that? Professor? Um, yeah, okay. Oh, Let's yes, see. yes, 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 yes. Ah, yes, you're back. Yay. Okay. Did you hear me? Yeah. No, no, this uh, this clever machine switched off my microphone. Ah, okay. But I think we're back. <laughs> okay, yay. Good. Uh, now, look, I agree with you. I'm, I have my doubts about China because China has had um, very difficult experiences with a, a Muslim minority, the Uyghurs, uh, who in parts were radicalized and started to threat with uh, terrorist attacks in, in China. And China has taken some very drastic measures about this. Um, they have taken large numbers of this minority into um, compulsory um, civil or civic education, where um, the official Chinese position is that, difficult to say it that bluntly, but uh, China maintains Islam is, a, is an archaic uh, religion and it is being interpreted in, in a way that uh, seriously, that creates serious obstacles to, to progress, to human progress and to democratic values. And they fundamentally object against the, uh, the rejection by, by most of Islam's interpretation of, of gender equality. Uh, so uh, I'm not so sure that China would vote with South Africa. Um, what about our ad hoc judge, um, Judge Masaneke? Is he obliged? Is he's he obliged to vote in favour of South Africa? No, no. He's a judge. He, uh, he is free to uh, to decide to choose. Uh, he has an excellent record as a judge. He was overlooked in the in the appointment of the president of our constitutional court, and there's absolutely no doubt that he would have been the most deserving candidate to be president of the constitutional court. Um, I think he's quite independent of the government, uh, but he is, of course, also caught in a in a big public opinion wave in South Africa. The, the public opinion wave is very, very strong. That um, that Israel is is sort of acting according to the Old Testament, eye for an eye, and is uh, is uh, without any mercy. Um, 
dishing out a terrible payback for the October 7th uh, attacks. Uh, that that uh, miscon that misconception in public opinion uh, exists, and it is very strong. It permeates virtually the entire media. Uh, I've been singled out as a as a difficult obstructionist guy who, who, who is trying to swim against the stream. And and you know from your colleagues from uh, from most media, surprisingly, uh, News Twenty Four is uh, turned into a one could even say into a media that is supporting Hamas. So um, uh, he will not be immune to this. Uh, no, indeed. Um, uh, Professor, the countries that are set to support Israel are the United States, Australia and Germany, and obviously Israel's ad hoc judge. What about countries like Japan, Slovakia, Brazil, India, Jamaica, Uganda? Well, definitely India will support uh, Israel. Um, I think uh, there is nothing to worry about the, the American judge and the German judge. The Jamaican judge, we cannot guess really, uh, but uh, Australia surely will, will, feel, uh, will feel part of the, uh, of, yeah, of the sentiment of the developed nations. Because that's what it is about. It is, it is Europe, it is Japan, it is North America. Uh, and and um, they are standing firmly with Israel, uh, also because they have large and in parts very radicalized Muslim minorities in their own countries, and they are worried that this could uh, spill over, that this could become a, a real uh, threat to to the safety and security of of, of their of their people. So um, and and there's a determination that it, it must be stated by this court, court very clearly. That, that no acts of, of terror, immense acts of terror, can be used to, to force a country, a sovereign nation, uh, to do certain things. Uh, Minister Pandor only yesterday somewhere uh, said that um, the hostages could be freed once Israel agrees to an amicable and uh, fair two-state solution for Palestine. But that would accept that you can take hostages to pursue a, an aim, an objective, which maybe is uh, legitimate, but, but still the world is not prepared to go down that, that route. And uh, so Russia is, is uh, the Russian judge is the vice president of the court. And as I've already mentioned, uh, according to Foreign Minister Lavrov, um, Russia is not, at least not officially, not openly siding uh, with the with the Gaza uh, with the Gaza uh, reindications, uh, they seem to have a deeper understanding of what is happening. Although we know that that Russia has recently developed quite close relations with Iran, um, a lot of the Russian oil that has been banned from from international trade has been traded through Iran. Uh, sadly, Iran has become quite wealthy in the process through this trade and that has enabled them to to um, to upgrade their military capacity tremendously there's a, an enormous amount of, of modern armament that has flown into iran apparently through turkey and which is a nato member so these are new complications it, it is a, as if the world is now <laughs> accepting that using military force is 
is the norm and um, that peacekeeping is taking a backseat. But I'm still confident that the court will, will do justice and the court will seize through the opportunistic uh, element in the South African application. Um, we're going to leave it on that very optimistic note. <clears throat> uh, Professor Thomashausen, perhaps once the ruling comes out or once the ca case is kicked out, you'll come back onto the show and we can talk a little bit more about what happens next. Thank you. That was Professor um, Andre Thomashausen, Emeritus Professor of Comparative and International Law. After the break, we are talking to Kenneth Mohartley, but just before we get to Kenneth, let me tell you about the following. 